Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome to LexLine, brought to you in conjunction with our friends at Rug Radio, where we discuss the latest legal developments in Web3, blockchain, and NFT law. As always, nothing we talk about should be considered legal or financial advice. If you have a specific legal question, you should consult a lawyer. You should do it privately, not on a recorded Twitter space. Yes, we do record these. So if you come up and join the conversation, you can hear yourself back either on the live Twitter space or if you miss it live, you can catch us on Apple or Spotify podcasts. So today I wanted to jump into a conversation about a court ruling that went down yesterday that I think has very big implications for the space. I pinned a thread up kind of summarizing it, but it is the implications of the federal court's decision to grant summary judgment in favor of the U.S. Treasury and against Tornado Cash. And what are the implications of this for decentralized apps, or I should say decentralized dApps going forward? So for those who are not familiar, the United States District Court for the Western District of Texas granted the government's motion for summary judgment against Tornado Cash. Essentially, they ruled that Tornado Cash's complaint charging that the designation by OFAC of Tornado Cash as being a potential sanctions facilitator was a violation of the First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendments to the United States Constitution. The plaintiffs argued that this decision violated their rights, and Judge Pittman reviewed the motions for summary judgment filed on behalf of the government and on behalf of the plaintiffs, and elected to side with the plaintiffs, which is the United States Treasury in this case. So we know who the parties are. Plaintiffs are Tornado Cash through Joseph Van Loon, Tyler Alameda, Alexander Fisher, Preston Van Loon, Kevin Vitale, and Nate Welch. And they brought suit against the United States Department of Treasury, the Office of Foreign Asset Control, OFAC, Janet Yellen, who's the Treasury Secretary, and Andrea M. Gacky. Motions for summary judgment were filed by both sides. Basically, Plaintiffs see Tornado Cash as being a decentralized open source software project consisting of a set of self-executing smart contract protocols on the Ethereum blockchain. The government takes the view that Tornado Cash is an organization offering a cryptocurrency mixing service. And I'll get into the contours of all this shortly, but essentially that's the table that was set. OFAC designated Tornado Cash as being a potential facilitator of sanctions violations by allowing sanctioned nations on OFAC's list to be able to conceal the source of cryptocurrencies to facilitate violations of sanctions laws. And the plaintiffs pushed back and said, this is an overstep by the United States government and that it violates the free speech clause, among other things. So two sides to this case. It raises an important question as to how courts and governments are going to look at and interpret decentralized DAP applications going forward. Is it a software that simply is used as a tool, or is it, as the government uh, maintains, more of an organization that can be used to facilitate transnational crime, money laundering, and violations of the sanctions laws? Now, the backstory. The SDN list. The SDN list is a list put out by OFAC, which includes individuals and companies that are owned or controlled or acting on behalf of targeted countries. 
there's actually an OFAC website that lists the targeted countries and it also lists the targeted individuals and businesses. And they encourage people who are doing business, especially with foreign companies or foreign individuals, to consult that list to be sure that they're not doing business with someone who is on the OFAC list. And there are harsh consequences for doing business with people that are on the OFAC list. So this is a story that's been told many times before, but essentially, from the decentralized perspective of the crypto world, designating and putting a software protocol like Tornado Cash on this uh, designation has far-reaching implications because it stifles what they argue to be free speech. Now, we talked about the fact that the government believes that these that this particular software protocol is being used to mix or tumble uh, cryptocurrency to obfuscate the source and to make it difficult to track the currency. So essentially, it's used as a tool. Proponents of it say it's a tool to preserve anonymity so that a open and conspicuous blockchain uh, has at least some layer of anonymity as to who has money and things of value on the blockchain so that they can't be potentially targeted and easily identified. So it's functionality. It uses uh, mixers as a software to send amounts of currency to an address controlled by the mixer, and they do that for a fee. The mixer then pools the sender's cryptocurrency with other users' cryptocurrency, which is why they kind of liken this to mixing or tumbling in a washing machine, because you take all the crypto from different wallets and different sources, and you put it all in the dryer and let it tumble together. And then what comes out of the tumble is more difficult to identify as the cryptocurrency from party A or party B. So after this mixing process, the protocol then is following the contract definitions and terms, and it sends the specified amount to a desired destination. That desired destination is then in receipt of the cryptocurrency. And when governments, regulators, and enforcement agencies are trying to look back to find the source of the transaction, it makes it really hard to do that because of that tumbling process that I just described. So it utilizes smart contract technology. It sends cryptocurrency. It, it is a tool. It is a utility that people use. People use it arguably for very legitimate purposes. The government, of course, argues that it is a way to facilitate money laundering activity. So Tornado Cash is just that sort of a service. It's a decentralized open source software project made of smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain. The plaintiffs maintain its autonomous software and its users rely on the smart contracts that are immutable, autonomous, and self-executing meaning they don't really have any hand in what the users are doing. They state that the Tornado Cash smart contracts are immutable, meaning they have no custodial operator, and they allow for autonomous withdrawals. So that is the take of Tornado Cash. They look at it as a tool for optimum privacy-enhancing services. The government takes a very opposite approach. They describe Tornado Cash as being an organization, which is an important term going forward as the court interprets and agrees with the government that Tornado Cash is more of an organization and less of a software protocol. It's an organization that offers a service, cryptocurrency mixing. 
They argue that the developers who launched the service and created Tornado Cash did it through the establishment of a DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization. The DAO has members who vote on new, future, on new feature implementations. The DAO has elections on governance, and it has a tradable virtual asset token known as TORN, T-O-R-N. The government argues that Tornado Cash is smart contracts created by the developers and approved by the DAO to facilitate this blockchain mis mixing service, regardless of the fact that it might be immutable, regardless of the fact that it runs on a self-executing autonomous smart contract protocol. They nevertheless contend that through the collection of fees and the other aspects, including the DAO, that Tornado Cash is more of an organization. So this is the battle line that was drawn in the motions for summary judgment and the overlap now with this OFAC. Let's go back a little bit before the complaint was dropped, back on August 8th, 2022. And just saying that out loud, I can't believe how fast time flies in this space because it's August 18th today of 2023. And it feels like just yesterday that we were all talking about the tornado cash sanctions. But in any event, August 8th, 2022, OFAC designated Tornado Cash, and they basically made it illegal for anyone to utilize it because it could potentially expose you to an OFAC violation. They pointed out that the mixing service has been used by illicit actors, including North Korea, hacking groups, the Lazarus Group, which is associated with North Korea, to launder funds. So they limited people's ability to use it. Now, there was a rescinding and a redesignation. On November 8th of 2022, OFAC withdrew its initial designation and then reissued it and expanded it. And the reasons for the expansion that encompassed Tornado Cash's activities related to its activities with the North Korean government. The redesignation was supported by claims that Tornado Cash had assisted in activities covered by the EO and by providing the means for the Lazarus Group to launder over $600 million in stolen cryptocurrencies through cyber crimes. So OFAC identified this cyber activity as a significant threat, especially as it relates to North Korea and cyber crime and financing of weapons and other, other things that affect the national security of the United States. So they determined that based on this Lazarus Group uh, Korean, North Korean Intelligence Bureau uh, overlap that Tornado Cash is a facilitator of money laundering. They highlighted the movement of 2001 Ether to an address which subsequently sent 2000 ETH to Tornado Cash in increments, apart from that 600 million we just talked about. And OFAC strenuously argued that Tornado Cash facilitates laundering of hundreds of millions of dollars. And it does this through governments that are definitely not in line with the United States, including North Korea. So in response to these OFAC designations, this obviously had a real chilling effect on people using Tornado Cash and people being concerned that if their cryptocurrency in any way touched Tornado Cash, that their wallets could be subject to OFAC sanctioning. And that definitely had a chilling effect on using the protocol. So plaintiffs brought this lawsuit. They filed their complaint under the Administrative Protection Act, the APA, alleging that Tornado Cash through the OFAC designation amounted to a violation under the United States Constitution of the First Amendment's Free Speech Clause and other clauses under the Due Process Fifth Amendment.
of the United States Constitution. Their arguments were across the board, basically, that Tornado Cash is not a foreign national or a person under the International Economic Powers Act or the North Korea Act. These are the laws that make it possible for OFAC to enforce these things by executive order, by the White House's designation of this country, to be able to enforce these uh, sanction laws. They argued that the smart contracts related to Tornado Cash aren't property, which is another important distinction in the court's opinion. Tornado Cash cannot have property interest, and such, it's simply a smart contract protocol, and that this designation is a real violation of free speech and has a tremendous chilling effect on free speech. To the contrary, the government maintained that Tornado Cash can be designated as an entity with a property interest in the smart contracts. They also argue that this designation does not infringe on Tornado Cash and its plaintiffs' free speech rights. And these claims made it to federal court. Both sides engaged in whatever discovery they engaged in, and ultimately entire thing came to a head by way of the motion for summary judgment process. Plaintiffs argued very strenuously that Tornado Cash, even if considered a valid entity, doesn't have the property rights in the smart contracts that were blocked. They suggest that using the common definition of interest in property, which means a claim or right to property, is not correct. OFAC's definition of the terms property and interest in property were too broadly applied by the Treasury in, in their uh, designation of OFAC. The court, referencing OFAC and other decisions from other courts, stated that smart contracts, even immutable smart contracts, can be considered a type of property because they function similarly to other types of contracts. So in essence, what the court did here is determined that Tornado Cash can be seen as an association under existing regulations and thus can be designated by the department and put on that sanctions designation list. Additionally, court found the smart con contracts, despite their immutable nature, can be viewed as property, implying that they can be subject to regulation and actionable by the authorities. So there was a lot of debate about what defines uh, and they looked at Black's Dictionary for what defines an interest. They looked uh, very closely at all aspects of Tornado Cash's internal operating systems. They looked and broke down the First Amendment claims, plaintiffs raising the claim that the First Amendment uh, a designation by OFAC violated the First Amendment, asserting that it overreaches and it's not narrowly enough defined. The government's action restricts people from using Tornado Cash software for making contributions to vital political and social causes. They maintain this designation restricts the right to publish the source code, which is considered protected free speech. And we've actually talked about a little bit in this space. Court didn't buy any of that, decided in favor of the defendants, granting the summary judgment on the First Amendment claim. Under the takings claim, the plaintiffs argued that the ETH that was trapped in these Tornado Cash smart contract protocol pools was taken in violation of the Fifth Amendment. However, despite making the claim in their complaint, the court noted that they did not motion for summary judgment on this basis, and because the government did motion for summary judgment based on all counts, according to the Fifth Circuit's precedent, if a plaintiff doesn't advance a claim beyond the initial complaint, that claim is considered abandoned 
Even after the government pointed out the potential waiver of the Fifth Amendment claims, the court found plaintiffs did not act on it. So consequently, they abandoned that claim due to inaction. So that claim really did not get a full uh, and, f- and, and thorough review by the court because it was sort of deemed to be abandoned. Um, there was some ac- the discussion of the Fifth Amendment claim, but ultimately it's not anything that is going to be uh, actionable on appeal other than the fact that whether they, decline, they, they abandoned it or not. So this motion for summary judgment on behalf of the government now raises the interesting debate of what are the implications of this? It's going to most likely be taken up on appeal to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And how does this impact decentralized dApps going forward and whether decentralized dApps that run on DAOs and that run on autonomous smart contracts that are self-executing but are found to be crossways with OFAC and sanctions protocols are going to be similarly shut down and will that raise free speech and Fifth Amendment violations? That is my breakdown of that particular case. I'm happy to open up the floor for anyone who has any comments on it. It is Friday. I know the Friday vibes are usually casual, but I thought this was an important case that I don't think got enough attention in the news, and I don't think it got enough attention on Twitter. So I wanted to discuss it, make the community aware of it, and sort of open up this conversation for you all to be thinking about whether this will have a chilling effect on what decentralized protocols can do relative to free speech. So it is Friday. I appreciate everyone who joined in the conversation today. Ira, it's always great to see you out there. Uh, I'm glad to see that you're active. I saw your post today, your tweet, or I should say your X. So thank you for, for always contributing to the space. To everyone who joined today, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I hope this brought value to you. And I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. And we'll get back at it next week and uh, hopefully get some guests back on board. As much as I love doing these monologues, I love talking to people too. So we'll get some guests on and maybe that'll spark some conversation. So thanks everyone for joining and listening. Appreciate you all and have a fabulous weekend.